Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm really excited to put out this episode. Um, as you'll hear in the episode, we were not shy about this. I This is my second time interviewing Ellie Sheva Cohen. Ellie Sheva Cohen, um, I met her at the gym because she was giving this awesome hit class. If you haven't picked it up yet, I actually love to exercise and joyful movement. And that's like a big part of my um, my own intuitive eating journey. Um, so she's, um, I took her class for a few years and I asked her, you want to come on the podcast? Uh, we, we share a lot of similar, um, ideas and we like to read self-help books and like speak to each other about it. And I did explain to her a little bit about intuitive eating. And when she came on the podcast for the first time, it was too diety. There are people who I interview who aren't hundred percent familiar with intuitive eating or not hundred percent yet on board. And I still decided to publish it because I feel like either I could redirect them in the episode and that's like kind of important for people to hear because like, yeah, not everyone's going to agree with intuitive eating 100% and there isn't necessarily a black and white of intuitive eating. Of course, there are some certain things like if you are promoting weight loss, like just so you know, Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Resch will kick you off as an, as an intuitive eating counselor. They will not allow it. So obviously there are some strict guidelines, but yeah, I know that like through social media or whatever, there's like some people have taken it to an extreme, but I'm just saying in terms of the podcast, like I interview people from, I, I try to show different angles of intuitive eating. Um, and it's not always like a pure intuitive eating episode because I feel like, first of all, that's like more my style. I like to show like different parallels about intuitive eating and how it could apply in like your, in like your real life or your just in your thoughts or how it could apply in other areas of your life. So that's like kind of more what I like to do. Um, and the episode was just too emphasized on basically dieting. And I told Alicia of that and she was totally fine. She's like, listen, you do you and I'll do me. And like, I'm not going to like lie on the podcast about what I believe. And I'm like, a hundred percent, you shouldn't. I just can't publish it. I was like, maybe I should edit it. It was just, I couldn't put it out. And I have had that before, unfortunately, but you know what? It's not a waste of time. You learn, you live and you learn and you learn from everyone. So it's okay. Um, and it was actually a very nice podcast. It was just a few things I, I wasn't, I couldn't just take them out. It wouldn't have been cohesive. Um, and we agreed it's all good. I would say a year and change later, Alicia and I were just talking and she mentioned to me that she's sort of had like a little bit of a change of heart and she's more interested to hear about intuitive eating and, um, you know, putting like weight, weight, like aside from healthy behaviors because weight's not a behavior, right? And I do find that people have this, um, Evelyn Tripoli, she always says when I was taking her training, like we plant seeds, like we're just planting seeds. Like in the beginning, when I learned about intuitive eating, and I'm sure many of you could relate, you want to like shout it from the rooftops and you think like, I have like the secret to a happy life. Like, don't you want to know about it? And then, and then you start like kind of, I remember like sharing it with someone at the gym who like was like offended. Like I was like, Oh, I'm a dietitian. Do you want to learn about intuitive eating? She's like, what are you saying? I need a dietitian. I'm like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just, I'm just saying that like, and then I was like, kind of, I was like, kind of like, you know, more shy to just do that to people. And then there, and then some people were like, yeah, that's so cool. I want to hear about it. And then other people were like, are you ridiculous? And I was like, Whoa, like people do not want to hear about this necessarily. Or like just, when I brought this up to Evelyn, when I was doing the training with her, she's like, you're just planting seeds. Like I've had people hear what I'm talking about and then come back to me five years later. So that's kind of like a common thing. And I, and I really do get it. Cause it's like, 
really a paradigm shift in terms of on an individual level and as a community and as a whole and in our society. So we thought about a few different things that we could do um, an episode on. So um, I am, I am, I am contemplating um, putting out a video, an exercise video with either Ellie Shava Cohen or Mimi Yafi, who's going to be on the podcast soon, another fitness instructor. Um, so we are like, we are like a little bit focusing on fitness in the next few episodes. Um, and I really wanted to like specifically record, um, an exercise class for about 45 minutes to an hour where there's like a lot of positivity no focus on weight, just good, fun, joyful movement. So we actually decided that we were going to just record a podcast and be like totally open about how this came to be the second episode. And we really like as you'll hear, we like pull apart like some of the things that people struggle with with intuitive eating and some of the things people are skeptical about and some of the things people just don't understand. And they hear intuitive eating, they think, you know, eat whatever you want, who cares? And it's obviously not like that at all. And I think that if any of you listening here are also on the fence or skeptical, and please ask me questions. Like, I think it's the best way to learn. I'm not, as long as you approach me like respectfully, whether it's via email or my podcast or however you contact me like I really am more than happy to hear feedback and get questions and sometimes I don't know the answer and sometimes I have to think about it or I just don't know um but yeah I think that's all part part of the process so I really think that you'll enjoy this episode I really enjoyed recording it and as always if you like the podcast or any of my podcasts or you've been here for a long time please go to apple podcast and read and review the podcast that is how the podcast moves up in the rings and people are able to find this intuitive eating information which as you know i am extremely passionate about sharing and i think it's so 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 important and we are you know making some noise and making some changes and i am still recruiting for my upcoming intuitive eating group counseling i think it's amazing i think it's so amazing to be supported by other like-minded women. So that's another way that you could work with me. Or you could also reach out at gilaglassberg18 at gmail.com if you want to book one-on-one sessions. And if you just want to hear more content like this, you could go back to other episodes on the podcast. There's so many now, over a hundred. A lot of them are also uploaded to YouTube if you're more of a watcher than a listener. And there's also tons of blog posts and lots of information. And now there is a new page on my website, www.gilaglassberg.com slash shop. And I actually put up some of my speeches or my more premium content for sale there. So if you're looking for like a class on how to speak to your teenagers about intuitive eating or self-care, you could get that there. How to speak to, speak to your, how to um, feed preschoolers. I did that in a, in a school last year. Uh, the IFS episode with Shira Fruchter. Actually, she's actually using the IFS model on me, coaching me through it and my own like polarized parts. If you're not familiar with IFS, go back and listen to Shira's episode. It's a few few weeks back. Um, my polarized parts were 100% believing in intuitive eating and still struggling with body image. And I think she did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And I think that I also gained so much from that episode. So go ahead, check that out. And without further ado, here's the episode. Hi everyone and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. 
I've come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, your host, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And tonight I have with me Elisheva Cohen. Hi, Elisheva. Hi, everyone. Hi, Hi. I'm really excited to have you on. And I'm just going to briefly say that this is our second time doing the interview. And um, I'm sure we'll like get into it, um, get into it haha, in the episode. Yes, that, we will. <laughs> like why I didn't publish the first episode and why I brought you back on. Um, but let's start with just introduce yourself. Like, who are you? Where do you live? What do you do? Okay. So hi, I'm Ellie Sheva Cohen. I am a mommy. I'm a wife. Um, I am a special education teacher for the Board of Education in New York City. Um, I'm also a DJ. I know that sounds so crazy, but I actually am a DJ, um, party motivator. My business name is Sisters Basimcha. Um, And I am also a certified uh, fitness instructor. I live in Inwood. And I have three yummy, delicious children. And now I'm here with you. Yes. The DJ part is very cool, I have to say. Um, okay. It's pretty wacky. It's pretty yeah. wacky. Yeah. So um, I'll just like fill the listeners in a little bit. So I know you from the gym. Um, you gave an awesome class, which I still really miss you. And um, and your class was very, it was very motivating. And I always talk about like joyful movement and I loved your class. And um, we discussed like a little bit outside of outside of the class, like doing an episode on like your journey to fitness, right? Um, so just the, just to briefly say like your journey to fitness started one way and it shifted. So why don't you, why don't I'll just, I'm just going to say this because I know this is like, we're, we're walking a delicate line. You're going to, you're going to explain what, how your journey started. And it might've started with one motivation and has now shifted and now has shifted even more. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that for listeners who might be sensitive to diet talk and we're going to shift. I'm going to, I'm going to help you with the language basically. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Um, okay. So I would say this is going back probably after I had my, my third child, my son, who is now four and a half. Um, I remember going, going to Florida with my family for Pesach. And I remember after Pesach, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, this is it. I do not love what I'm seeing in the mirror. I am not loving that I am not fit. I'm not in shape. Like I need to make a change. Mm -hmm. And I remember that from that point after Pesach until the summer, um, I was really very, very strict about the things that I ate, um, exercised a lot. um, And I I definitely lost a significant amount of weight and definitely changed um, my appearance. Mm -hmm. That was a while ago. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Um, I'm still exercising a lot. I love it. It means so much to me. But like you said, it's definitely not for all of the reasons that I initially started. Um, I think that I have learned really to see that it does so much more for my mind 
Um, and it just makes me feel strong and mm-hmm. it just, I love it. I love it. And there's definitely been a shift, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, one second. So let me just stop you for a second. So when you, st- when you, ca- you said you came back from Pesach was, what was like the mood, like you said you wanted to lose weight, but um, were you ever into fitness? Like, did you know where you, when you were younger, did you engage in um, exercise? You're a DJ, also no. you're a motivator. Was that like right. you're naturally fit? You're naturally athletic. I would say I'm athletic. I always loved to play sports growing up. Um, but did I ever, we never worked out. We didn't like exercise a lot growing up. Um, it's something I think that came with time. I have a few, I'm, I'm one of four girls and one of my, my older sister and I, she, she and I have almost been on like a fitness journey together, so to speak. We both love working out, just be strong and healthy and um, we motivate each other. But we weren't like that. And it was never, it wasn't stressed at home either. And neither was, there was no stress on like being careful with what we ate, which is a good mm-hmm. thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, looking back, I wish, and I always say this, like I wish for my family that we were like a family of moving movements. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I just don't like sitting around. So that doesn't mm-hmm. make me feel good. Like I like yeah. to be active. Um, so that's something that I want for my family, but we're, we're mm-hmm. working on getting there. Totally. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a process. Um, so, so you started, you started exercising. It was, it was mainly to lose weight and you did lose weight and you were, you were feeling great about it. You were happy about it. You were, um, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, I was very, I mean, I was definitely happy about it. Um, the change, I was very rigid with the things that I was eating. I definitely was eating. Um, but I was like, I, I love sweet food. I love chocolate. I love candy. I still eat it. I love it. Um, but I was very careful during that time, which I think is why I lost a lot of weight because, you know, in a smaller amount of time, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't giving myself the opportunities to, you know, have those delicious foods that I enjoy, which, which now I know is important for me to, to enjoy. And I, trust me, I do. Pace right. so me, me and chocolate on Pesach, yeah. forget about it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but when you did start exercising besides for the weight loss, like what, what changed for you? Like, was it just this like healthy outlet? Was it just like you, you realized how strong you actually were? Cause you're cla- like, I know you're very fit and I know your class is like a high intensity. It's a high intensity class. Um, yeah, it's definitely, um, I'm pretty fit. I'm, I would say I'm pretty strong there's always more to learn and grow, but, um, over the time I, I saw that. I felt so good after I worked out. I just mm-hmm. felt strong. It was a tremendous stress reliever for me. Like mm-hmm. to this day, um, I know that if I'm feeling really anxious about something or there's a lot going on, I'm like, okay. And my husband knows also, I'm like, yo, I, I, I gotta go for a run. Like mm-hmm. I'm a big I'm a runner and I love running. Um, for me, that's one of my joyful movements, like you mm-hmm. say. Um, it's very freeing. It's very empowering. Um, that's like my go-to. Mm-hmm. I'm more of like a cardio-based person, but talking about shifting, I also am really shifting a little bit into more doing like weight training to build, you know, for strength. Like as you mm-hmm. get older, you 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 want to be strong because mm-hmm. that's that's what's going to help you when you're right you get older. Right. Anyways, that's important when it comes to movement, like to switch it up between cardio and resistance. Like you don't want to just stick to one. Right. One hundred percent. 
Um, okay, so but the thing the thing that I guess we're gonna pull apart tonight is that like that episode that we recorded, I ended up not publishing because I felt like it was it was emphasizing like like I guess um you, like how good you felt about the weight loss. And I felt like that wouldn't be in line with what I was what I'm here to teach people. But then we reconnected on this topic and you did have a mindset shift. So what happened with that? So I don't know exactly what was the shift. I think it's also just like how to live life, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. um, I definitely, at the time, again, this is going back, you know, a few years, was so like, was very consistent about, you know, weighing myself, going on the scale. And I'm like, for what? Why? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if you feel good and you're, then then why do you need a scale? What is What does a number mean? So my husband actually took the scale and he hit it. I have no idea where it is. And this is going back a bunch of years. I have no idea mm -hmm. what the scale says. Um, I'm more lenient about the foods that I put in my mouth. Anybody that knows me knows that I literally, I love to eat. I love food. I really mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. um, and I allow myself to eat the foods that I want. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not, I think, like with anything, it's an adjustment, you know, and your mind is, is going through different thoughts. Like, oh, I want to eat the pizza. Okay. I'm going to eat the pizza. And I'm like, I eat the pizza, mm -hmm. but you have mm -hmm. to be, you have to forgive yourself, you know, and right. you, I'm sure you could talk a little bit about, about that and teach me a little bit about intuitive eating when you want to eat something, right. You're supposed mm -hmm. to give your, you're supposed to allow it. Right. right? And listen it, to your body. It, right. So, so maybe do you want to ask me questions now about like where you're feeling? Cause like, I don't, it doesn't really go from like dieting to intuitive eating. There's like such a big spectrum and there's also like a lot of nuance, like every client's different, every person's different. Right. But I do think that I'm not going to take all the credit for this, but I'm just saying that I think that a lot of your story is not unique in the sense that um, people want to lose weight. Right. So they go on, a, they go on some form of manipulating their body, whether it's dieting or intense exercising or both, and then they get the result that they want, but then it takes over their mind. Like you, obsessively weigh yourself and you obsessively you're so strict about food like almost like an OCD uh right. point right so I will say disclaimer Bar Hashem it was it was there was no it was totally healthy with what, what I was doing it doesn't match with intuitive eating and it definitely mm -hmm. was more from a diet culture but mm -hmm. I was I was healthy there was no issue with it per se um but with that being said yeah I've definitely since I've met you and learned a little bit about intuitive eating um just hello everybody i am so excited to tell you that the get into it with gila podcast is sponsored by okclarity.com okclarity.com is the place for any jew no matter how firm or religious you are to find a top-notch therapist psychiatrist coach or dietitian and it's completely free for you to use okclarity.com's professionals are vetted and have extensive experience working with the jewish community yes you can even find me there if you're in the market for a therapist, coach, dietitian, psychiatrist, or the like, you want to check them out. If you don't find what you're looking for, they have a service where you complete a short form and they will personally match you, which I think is so, so cool. Important side note, if you are a wellness professional, I highly recommend joining their directory. Their team is amazing and I've received referrals immediately. They also really offer a ton of support. OK Clarity also has an amazing WhatsApp status with over 7,000 obsessed followers. And yes, I am one of them. Their WhatsApp is a free way to improve your mental health and they post really great humor. So you'll laugh too, which is really, really important for our mental health, right? If you have WhatsApp, shoot them a message at 917-426-1495. Again, that's 917-426-1495. Have a great day. Broaden my horizons. 
I think. Um, I'm interested to hear a little bit about the shift you're talking about because mm. it, you're saying it doesn't jump from like diet culture to intuitive eating. It's almost like a mindset shift. Right. It's a slow progression, number one. And number two, I think that because like you said, like you were obsessively weighing yourself so your husband hit the scale, right? So it's like, it's like for a lot of people, like they innocently start dieting, but then it becomes much, much more than that. What, even if it doesn't become a, an eating disorder, I always say like, um, I always say like, think of like your life as like a, as like a pizza pie, right? Like a pie. And, and like, let's say disordered, disordered eating, let's label it like, that means like you're thinking about food 20 to 60% of your day, right? And the way that you started the interview is that you're a mommy and you're a wife and you're um, a special ed teacher and you're a fitness instructor and you're a Jew and you, right? So that's a lot of things in your pie and you and you really, you have this hobby of exercise, right? Um, so if 20 to 60% of your day is thinking about food and exercise and um, in an obsessive way, I mean, and weighing yourself, then yeah, you that's great and healthy, I guess but it's also really diminishing your quality of life because there's not enough room in your pie for like the things that really do matter. So of course I, I, I stress nutrition and I do stress fitness and I, and a, a lot of it is coming from a place of self-care, but when it starts to take up too much of your time and headspace, that's when I do think, even if you don't have an eating disorder, that's when I think like diet culture is really dangerous or, or, or not, not just dangerous, just like negatively affecting people and that's why i think maybe your husband was you know hiding the scale or why you're like with oh, my I don't... permission fyi i'm just yes, putting that yes. out there it, it wasn't it was it doesn't sound like it was you know really severely affecting your life in a negative way but you notice that like oh i don't want to do this there's it's not it's not good for me to do this yeah and it's actually funny as i was listening to you speak about that it can take away from your other responsibilities that is 100% something that I have had to learn to balance better. Mm -hmm. um, aside from like changing my eating, I also was extremely strict about my exercising. And if I didn't do it one day, aside from, I think, feeling like like an actual chemical lack because mm -hmm. I had been doing it so much, it could be that that exercise piece turned into, so to speak, an addiction where mm -hmm. I was used to getting some type of, you know, dopamine release or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then I did. And I'm like, <gasps> yeah, I didn't exercise. Oh my God. I feel like garbage. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. Um, but that's something over some time. I also had to learn to, to balance. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have, and I don't need to exercise two hours every day. I don't need to exercise every day. It's okay for your body to, to rest. Mm -hmm. So you know, I'm still in this transition stage, I'd like to say, which is why I'm really happy to be here with you and for you to mm -hmm. like educate me mm -hmm. um, and help me a little more with the shifting of the mindset. But that also is something um, that is something that I struggled with. Right. It's like balance. Right. So you're like, I think that you're seeing like the negative effects of diet culture in terms of like your addiction, quote unquote, to exercise, because um, that's your, that was your experience. But a lot of the clients that I work with, that's like to the nth degree. And that's not just with exercises, but it's with food. So it go, it, it, it starts with this like innocent dieting to the point where they're like, won't go to a simcha because they don't know what food's going to be served or they're on, you know, OA and they have to weigh and measure their food. So therefore they can't go away for Shabbos or they have to cook the food, you know, they can't enjoy themselves. So like mm -hmm. it, that could easily spiral. Like, I think you could see that because for you, like, I guess the outlet was the exercise. 
Yeah. Um, but people engage in like compensatory behaviors, like I'm only going to eat this pizza if I exercise for two hours. That's also not healthy. Right. So, you know, like, yeah, it, life is all about learning the balance because exercise is great for you, of course. But when it comes at like such a high cost that like, if you miss a day, you know, you're depressed, obviously it's not healthy. Sure. 100%. Yeah. Definitely needs to be a balance. Yeah. So I guess like ask me questions like about intuitive eating, like where you feel, where, where, what's, what's not sitting with you or what's um, confusing to you? So just to go back to what you said about it's not, meaning it's a, it's a transition from the diet culture to this intuitive eating. Right. So I think, like I said, I'm probably in the middle, right? I'm right. making a shift. So my mind and the things that I'm thinking, I'm thinking like two things. Um, you know, I'm not at that point yet where I'm like saying, okay, it's okay that you didn't exercise today. It's more like, I really want to exercise. I really would love to. It's such a stress reliever, whatever it is. But I know that it's okay if I miss a day. So my my I'm going through this like this balancing act or this like juggling, so to speak, um, of holding those two those two you know pieces. Right. Um, also, forgiving myself and being like it's okay for you to have pizza. FYI, mm-hmm. not one slice of pizza. I can pound pizza, and mm-hmm. that's okay, right, Gila? It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and then not be like upset about it after. Be like, yeah, it's okay. Like you'll be fine. It's mm-hmm. great. You're allowed to mm-hmm. enjoy and you'll... that's fine. Right. So I think you're, how do I get more closer yeah. to your side? So intuitive eating, um, has 10 principles, right? There's 10 principles of intuitive eating. And, um, I think where people get confused is kind of similar to what you're saying. Like, how do I go from here to here? Like it's such a jump, but mm-hmm. the, the, the 10 principles, I'll tell you really quickly. I Like, I don't know if you know them, but like the first principle is rejecting the diet mentality. And it's like really learning that like we live in a society that's obsessed with dieting. And now it's not even like dieting. It's like wellness culture. Like it's kind of shifted. Like dieting is kind of out, but like wellness is very in. You know what I mean? Why, like, did, they, why did they change it? What do you think? No, why like if, if you term? think about people don't really like when, when you talk to people, it's like, I'm not on a diet. I'm on, it's like, um it's a lifestyle, right? It's like wellness culture. Like everybody's really into health like making sure that they're getting their vitamins and, and exercising, even if people aren't exercising, it's like, like if you're a good person, if you have a gym membership, you know what I mean? There's like a big emphasis on the thin ideal. Um, and then there's like something called orthorexia also, which is like not even about being skinny. It's about this unhealthy obsession with only eating healthy food, Interesting. which like a lot of people do struggle with. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're checking every single ingredient, you're interrogating the waiter, you won't go to a restaurant if you if 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 they don't tell you exactly how much oil is in your food, right? It's not like you're not under eating. You're eating enough calories. You're just obsessively checking everything. So it's orthorexia. Yeah. What is the name of it? What's that called? Orthorexia. Orthorexia. Yeah. So not worth it, everyone. Do not have orthorexia. <laughs> go to the restaurants. Enjoy yourself, yes. right? Right, right. <laughs> so, but then there's like that balance of like gentle nutrition and joyful movement and um so, so other, the other principles are like honor your hunger and respect your fullness. So I think like, again, like people who have dieted for so long, they kind of take that on is like, um, the hunger fullness diet. Like I can only eat when I'm hungry and I must stop when I'm full, which isn't true either. It's just like our, our cues, our hunger fullness cues get turned off when we diet because dieting tells you dieting has all these rules, what to eat, when to eat and how much to eat. So you don't really know, am I hungry I or I, I don't think. I'm not sure if this is because I'm so much affected by the diet culture that I don't know when I'm hungry or it's just because like, I love to eat, to be mm-hmm. honest. Like mm-hmm. 
growing up, I, I don't I wonder if I mentioned this on the first on the first episode that we were doing. I remember there were three I was one of three girls at the time. I have one sister who's a lot younger than me. So there were three of us. And my mother, she would make two boxes of pasta for the three of us. I think I remember you and, saying this, yeah. Yeah. And the three of us was like pounded through the pasta, no problem. Because mm-hmm. we just loved eating. Like mm-hmm. we just love to eat. Um, so I don't know, like maybe I probably don't know I don't know when I'm hungry. I just typically mm-hmm. don't know how to listen right to my body. Right. So I guess like also like just an interesting thing about intuitive eating is that like it's not just about food and and not dieting anymore. It's about really learning about your bodies and your body's cues. Like I tell this to parents. I work with parents a lot. Like I coach parents a lot in terms of like the feeding dynamic in the home. And um, so I tell them like, listen, if you tell your child like you can't be hungry, you just eat. I know this sounds like dramatic, but you, you you teach your kids not to listen to their body. Like it's a, similar. Like nowadays, we say to our kids, like, we, it used to be like, "You're not going to hug your uncle." Like that's rude. And now we say like, "If you don't feel comfortable hugging hugging your uncle, like listen to your body, right?" Because right. we want our kids to know like your body's giving you some cues that are important. You better listen to them. Obviously, take with a grain of salt. I'm not. Yes, you could take anything to an unbalanced way. Like okay, listen to your body. You could stay up till twelve o'clock at night. No, I'm not saying that, but. I'm just saying that like we need to, I teach this to clients who are, you know, I'm 32, like in, like my age or even older than me, like what does hunger feel like in your body? What does fullness feel like in your body? Describe it to me. They can't. They have no idea, right? Or like a lot of clients confuse the emotional feeling of guilt with the physical feeling of fullness. So there's a lot of like pulling apart like physical symptoms. Repeat that. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Yes. People a lot of, up. yes. A lot of clients confuse or like it's um it's like all tied up in their in their psyche of like physical feelings of fullness with emotional feelings of guilt right physical feelings of fullness or physical feelings of hunger with the with the guilt okay it could be both let's say so like it could be either way it could be it could be both there's a lot of food rules that come up with hunger and fullness right like there's so many clients say until I'm ravenously starving I'm not going to let myself eat and what happens when we eat when we're ravenously starving we tend to overeat right if we could if we could neutralize it like take out the diet culture stuff and just say like it's kind of like when we're underwater and we come up gasping for air is there anything morally wrong with that or is it just biology working right? Is there, is there something wrong with you when you don't eat all a full day and then you kind of make up your calories? No, your body, your body's working really well. However, because we live in diet culture, our brain says, oh, I, I knew that I knew that I'm addicted to pizza because I just had four slices. I'm never eating pizza again. So then they continuously, you know, restrict pizza, feel restricted by pizza or continuously only eat when they're ravenously starving and then overeat. And then they're like, oh, I better not eat. I better skip dinner. But they actually perpetuate that, you know, binge restrict binge cycle by doing that. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. It is. So what, okay, what, what tips do you have for moms, mm-hmm. uh, you know, teenage girls or, or growing girls um, with helping them to listen to their bodies? Mm-hmm. Or how do you like explain that to them or, you know, to understand when you're full, to understand when you're hungry? Like what messages is the body giving? Right. So I do this with, I do this with my clients, whether they're teenagers or kids or adults, or like I'm teaching a mom to teach this to their kids. So um, in the intuitive eating book, there's a hunger fullness scale. And it's rated, you rate your, it's a rating from zero to 10. 
And um, like the authors of Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Resch, they're the authors of Intuitive Eating. They explain that like, um, uh, like dieting makes these cues objective. Like, you know, I don't know what, if you've ever been on a specific diet, but like a diet might um, dictate if you eat, uh, let's say like, uh, like this amount of chicken and this amount of broccoli and this amount of potatoes, you will be full for seven hours, right? Let's just say. And then at the four hour mark, you're getting your stomach scrambling, which is clearly a cue of hunger. Or mm -hmm. maybe you're having like a lot more thoughts about food, which could be a symptom of hunger. Maybe um, you're starting to feel a little lightheaded, or maybe you're starting to get hangry. Like you're, you're noticing a mood shift. You're like, I, <laughs> I struggle with that a lot. That's definitely Me my too. symptom of hunger. Yeah. So then you're <laughs> like, oh no, I can't be hungry. Like the diet told me like, Gonna, this food is going to last me seven hours, but that's not what the direct message of your body's telling you. So like I teach, I literally teach this to clients, like there's different, uh, there's also different types of hunger, right? There's meal hunger and there's snack hunger, right? Like, let's say you had lunch at 12 o'clock and you had like a really nice balanced lunch. Like you had a tuna bagel with a salad, right? And I do this rating with clients, like you were a uh, two hunger, like, which is like comfortable hunger or we'll call it like polite hunger. And you became like an eight, which is like comfortable fullness, right? Um, an hour or two later, you might be hungry, but I'm assuming you're not going to eat. An you could maybe, you, maybe you exercise more that day or whatever. I'm assuming you're not going to have another bagel with a salad. You might have like an apple with peanut butter, right? So that you're not meal hungry, but you are hungry, right? And we, uh, anyways, for health, for health reasons, like we want to keep our sugar levels steady throughout the day. We don't want to go from restricting to binging. That's also not good for our health. Right. So it's not like, we're not like neglecting health. I think people think that with intuitive eating, like whatever, just forgive yourself, eat whatever you want. Like who cares, right? It's not like that. There's there's a whole system of like learning how your body works. And like for for most of my clients, as long as they're, they feel comfortable and they don't feel like triggered to do this, I'll have them, I will have them track their eating for like a week or two and track their hunger level and track their fullness level and really start to pay attention to like what foods keep you fuller longer what foods satisfy you, you know, like some research shows that like the more satisfied, like if let's say you really want three slices of pizza, but you're on a diet. So you have a salad, you might be full because there was like, you know, chicken in the salad or croutons in the salad or like a really nice avocado dressing, but you're not satisfied. Do you ever have that where you're like, you really wanted to eat the pizza, but instead you had the salad. And then like an hour later, you're just binging on ice cream. Cause like really what you wanted was something like crunchy or smooth or cold. Right. Just for example, so it's like really giving, giving people this, this language and this knowledge that like, like taking, first of all, taking away the moral judgment of food. Um, and I'm only saying a few of the principles, understanding that emotional eating isn't a bad thing, right? The first thing a baby does when a baby, a baby is born is eat, right? And the baby doesn't just get nutrition from the mother. It gets like warmth and love and comfort and support, right? We, how do we celebrate holidays? Like we just had Pesach. Every holiday has a food associated with it. It's really a beautiful thing. Um, Hashem made food enjoyable for a reason. He made us have to breathe, breathe to live. He also made us have to eat. Why do we have, why is it enjoyable? There's a reason. It's just been demonized by diet culture that like, that's really bad. Emotional eating is really bad. I'm not saying you should always emotionally eat. Right. But just like, you know, get, getting like that joy back of food like really teach the, and I'm not, again, there's like, oh, there's 10 principles. So it's not like they don't just stand on their own, but it's like, it's giving kids, kids and adults this language of like, what does hunger feel like? What does fullness feel like? What foods do you actually like? Um, 
if you notice that you're not hungry at all and you keep eating, why are you eating? So then that goes into like the more emotional principles. Right. What's right. going on for you? Are you give them language? Are you sad? Are you frustrated? Are you anxious? Is food helping you? Maybe it is sometimes and maybe it isn't. So what are other coping strategies, right? It's really like, it's, it's really like, I know a lifestyle, but it really is like a whole way of life of really getting to know yourself and getting to know your relationship with food and maybe like what food, what's food doing for you? Like I talk a lot about self-care. Like if your self-care is low, are you using food as your self-care? Like people do that a lot, you know, cause it's so accessible. Um, it's so, it's so much more acceptable than like drugs or alcohol. Right. So it's like, it's easy to use food instead of, instead of actually getting your needs met. hundred percent, hundred percent. So just to go back, and I know this is something that we've talked about here and there. I know that we're both like, both like to read some like self-help books and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So diet culture, right? All, all this stuff. And I guess everything that intuitive eating is trying to counteract, mm-hmm. right? I feel like the whole diet culture, I think, stems from everybody has to be perfect, right? And right. we touched a little bit upon this in, in our conversation, but it's like the world every, is telling everybody the messages that we're, we're seeing, the messages that we're being given off is like, you need to be perfect. So it sounds as though, right, intuitive eating is completely counteracting that message. No, nobody's perfect. You You need to be human. Yeah. So I don't know if you could talk a little bit about that and how perfectionism, like, works together with um, or is the opposite of what intuitive eating messages are giving off. Right. That's like, um, so basically, like, also another one of the principles is called challenging the food police. So um, that whole principle is really like about like cognitive behavioral therapy, right? So like our thoughts create feelings and our feelings create behaviors, right? So I talk a lot about these automatic negative thoughts that we all have, like these thought patterns that we were, you know, learned as a child, whether we learned it from our parents or from our peers or from media, and then it was continuously reinforced by those people or, or internalized by ourselves, right? So an automatic negative thought is perfectionism. Like it, it must be, it ha- and that's why a lot of people who like are type A or like have these like perfectionistic tendencies when they start dieting, they, they develop an eating disorder. I mean, eating disorders are very multifaceted, but that could be one of the reasons why, because it's like, Oh, like, oh, it's healthy to eat um, whole wheat. Like, I mean, I also struggled with my own like disordered eating, you know, like I'm only going to eat whole wheat. I won't eat anything that's not whole wheat. And I won't go to a restaurant that has white bread just in case, you know, or like um, now, now as well. No, no, I don't. Now I don't struggle with that. But I'm saying as a teenager, I really that's where all this like stems from, like my own struggles with disordered eating. Um, I love that, though. It's like, (laughs) yeah, you, you took it and you used that and created this whole like career and help other people right basically yeah you go girl yeah <laughs> thank you glass for everyone yeah <laughs> so um wait one second what was i just saying about that oh yeah so that's why it's so easy if you if you struggle with perfectionism um first of all like unwinding that like unpacking that in with intuitive eating is really helpful because it, it makes you realize like oh like i don't have to be perfect or there's no such thing as a perfect diet there, we don't right. Also, nutrition is such a new science. Like as a dietitian, I have my master's in nutrition. Okay. Like I know a lot about nutrition. I learned a lot about nutrition. Um, it's still not a perfect science. I mean, nothing is a perfect science, but like going back to that whole concept of orthorexia, right. And health, health is a multifaceted thing. That's also a big part of intuitive eating. It's not just about nutrition and it's not just about exercise, right. It's about 
your mental health and your sleep hygiene and your stress management. So even if you're eating a perfect diet, but you are so anxious about every single morsel of food that goes into your body, I can't call that health. No, for sure. Right. Right. 100%. Yeah. So I think you're right in terms of like, um, the world is obsessed with it gives us a lot of these messages of like how we can do things perfectly. Like we could parent perfectly or we could um, have a perfect marriage or we could have a perfect career. Right. And like, obviously that's not like the human, that's not the human experience. Well, look at all the messages around, look at like social media and everything we're seeing, right. We're seeing a glimpse of what seems to be perfection, right. Mm -hmm. One snapshot of somebody's life or a snapshot of how fabulous and beautiful somebody looks when really it's Photoshop. Like the messages really subconsciously seeping in perfection, perfection, perfection. You want to be like that person. You have to do X, Y, and Z. Right. So I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that for me. I don't like that for my children Mm -hmm. because it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as perfect, right? Like that's why we're here. Hashem put us here because, Mm -hmm. right. We have to do the work. We have to work on ourselves because we're not perfect. Totally. Totally. Actually, just from like a, from like a physical perspective on that, um, like I talk about that a lot with clients that like, um, about beauty ideals, right? So like, first, first of all, I don't know if you have experienced this, but when you, when you're like obsessed with the way you look, so dieting reinforces that because you always want to be skinnier. Like you, no matter how skinny you are, dieting makes you want to be skinnier. It's like, does become some sort of an obsession. And Um, no matter how much you like, let's say engage in the more you engage in manipulating your body, whether it's weight related or not, let's say it's like, you know, um, Botox, like people are really into Botox now, or like liposuction, which is about weight or like, whatever it is, um, you it it actually makes people even more unhappy, because you just are never pretty enough, because you could always be prettier, right? So nowadays, like the beauty standard is think about it the beauty like it used to be like in the 1960s was like anorexic skinny was like beautiful right 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 like twiggy like that whole um time period but nowadays the beauty standard is actually like very very curvy and busty and a tiny waist like people in the world don't look like that like a barbie people don't look like that it's not normal it's not normal like it's not natural like yeah maybe if you get like some sort of you know plastic surgery but like that is that what we're really like with filters, you know, like is that what we're really aspiring to? Like how, obviously that's not healthy for anybody's mental health because we are aspiring to be something that doesn't naturally exist. So so I see that, but I also am noticing in like the world, like they're tr- starting to put out or maybe like more, let's say what we would call plus size models or showing mm-hmm. more of a variety yes. of figures. Yes. I think the world in general is becoming more aware. Yeah. Of- anti-diet culture right for sure I think that that's uh that's a product of intuitive eating and health at every size which is another movement um and body positivity for sure I think that there thank god there's like definitely a shift no in terms of I, like, I think so yeah 100 yeah. yeah again I do think the underlying messages of the perfectionism that we're talking about are still there and it creeps up in so many different ways but um, yeah, I think the world is is becoming a little more open-minded, so to speak, to many different body types, which is mm. definitely moving a move in the right direction. Right. We, I mean, we know like people, like people have different shoe sizes and people have different skin color and different hair color and different eye color. But like, for some reason, we don't think that people should be different sizes. Like everybody should be a size two, right? That's a big part of diet culture. Um, if you want it, if, if you wanted it badly enough, like then you could be a size two, right? Like that's what, that's a belief system that a lot of people 
walk around with like it's and then they internalize like something's really wrong with me like I lack motivation or especially people who are like it's I think it compounds with people who are very successful in other areas of their life like they're a doctor they're a lawyer they're uh, you know they're doing really well in life but they can't lose weight and they're like so I'm just like I'm hopeless I'm useless I have no willpower but like that's obviously not the case you have a lot of willpower just your body is bigger that doesn't nothing's wrong with you so interesting but also i'm saying there's there's a piece that's a genetic piece as well that i'm sure where the person really is having they're on a diet but they're having a hard time losing weight like because of the genetics 100 percent. i'll even like i'll even take it a step further with us me and you right yeah not not to compare our bodies i'm just saying it's a good example it's a good example because i exercise i think i exercise a lot and I, I've taken your class and I can't keep up with your class. And I've been doing it. I've been exercising consistently for, I don't know, since I was a teenager. I'm 32, right? So we have different stamina levels. We have different athletic 100%. builds. but And we're we're okay with that. I mean, some people are, I mean, like meaning like, like I think most people would agree that's true, right? Like two, two of the same people could eat the same way and exercise the same way and look very, very different. For sure. But right. I do think that, I wonder if we discuss this at some point that you are sh- like, there are areas that we would, let's say, say that I might be stronger my, with my upper body strength, with my mm-hmm. arms. But I think that when, did you once tell me like, you felt like lower body, you have a, a right. stronger, right? I do, I think so. But I'm just saying, like, I remember telling a client once who was really struggling to get herself to the gym. Um, I'm like, I take a class, like it was either your class or Madison's class or whatever, like a class consistently, a hit class. And it's, I could, I probably did your class for two years straight. That didn't mean that I could always do all the burpees. That didn't mean I could always do um, the push up. I still can't do a push up, not on my knees, right? So, um, so she's like, I would be so, I would be so discouraged. Like after all those years of taking the class, I'm like, but I'm taking the class to feel strong and to, um, and to be healthy and to like be in touch with my body. Like it has nothing, like I, I get why people get stuck there. And that goes way back to the perfectionism. Like a lot of people who struggle with perfectionism don't get anything done because they're like, if it's not perfect, I'm not going to do it. Right. Right. So like it's debilitating people, for people. It's debilitating. Yeah. So if people could just know that, like, again, like people come in all shapes and sizes. And even if you exercise all day and eat a quote unquote perfect diet, you still might not be skinny and that's okay. And that doesn't mean that you're not healthy and you could pursue health, even in a bigger body, a skinny person can be unhealthy. A fat person can be healthy. Like we have to change that. We have to change like the, the talk around that also because people who, who are in larger bodies are stigmatized, you know, they, they'll go to the doctor cause they have a cold and the doctor will tell them, well, if you lost weight, like you would feel better. Like, that's not true. That's not necessarily true. And anyways, like we don't really have um, like a known way to lose weight healthfully. Most people who who diet become like obsessed. So like, could you th- could you change your eating habits? A hundred percent. Could you increase your exercise? Yes. Does that mean you're going to change your weight? No, it doesn't necessarily mean that. So it's like taking away that piece, like that the weight piece, not but not like throwing away the health part. I think that's where people get stuck. Also, for sure. I I think that now that you're you're bringing that up, I think part of the transition also was that I noticed that when I eat healthfully, right. I feel much better. Mm-hmm. Not like not minimally. I'm talking about healthfully where, and there are times when, you know, let's say I, I eat the pizza or I'm not talking about one slice, maybe two, three slices of pizza, whatever it is. I don't, it might give me that temporary, you know, relief, but I don't feel good after like mm-hmm. I think chemically, physically, maybe because my body is not used to that. Mm-hmm. Don't feel something doesn't feel 
right inside like inside right I don't I don't think it's because I'm like upset that I ate it I think it's just there's too much for my body like my body needs a balanced a balanced diet and it just throws me you know right I don't know if this is if this resonates with you at all but like there are people who like do struggle with orthorexia who have like a lot of digestive problems also because they they eat too much vegetables too many vegetables they eat too much fiber right so like I think it's actually just important for people to be like as I'm not saying that you're wrong I'm just saying like sometimes when I eat um fried food my stomach really hurts and sometimes when I have like a really big salad my stomach hurts I'm not saying I'm not saying good or bad I'm not saying that I think I think from a nutritional standpoint, it's very important to have balanced meals. It is. Um, but like one meal is not going to kill you. One meal is not going to even make you gain weight. One one meal, um, like that it could be just about- You're frozen. Okay, Sorry, yeah. you were frozen for a no, bit. No, no problem. No problem. I know it's a, like a tiny bit frozen. Like every like 15 minutes, like the screen goes, it's frozen. I don't think it's my internet. Um, anyways, so like, like um, what I was saying was about- about oh yeah so like you're eating like it's not it's it doesn't right so let's say you have a lot of fried food and you have also a lot of salad right that could also hurt your stomach so it's important to be in touch with your body because most people uh, you know some people when they're starting the intuitive eating journey they might think like oh so should I eat chocolate all day should I eat um should I eat um dishes all day and I'm like I don't know do you feel good when you eat chocolate and dishes all day right and most like, people right don't. away I do like I'm like, oh, I, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel good when I eat, like, I don't even like chocolate. I know I'm really weird, but I don't feel good when I have like a Danish for breakfast. Like I feel much better when I have a protein bar or when I have, or even if I have half the Danish, you know, or like a quarter of the Danish. So like, so what is that? Is that, is that you don't feel good and you like, before you eat it, you're like mm, not feeling it because you worked and you are an intuitive eating person and you just know that it's not good for you or like, what, what is it? So this might, this might be really sound really, really extreme. So you might have to like chew it over and think about it. But like, okay. I don't even really like to think about food as like good for you or not good for you. I like to think of it as like, um, like, I don't know if this is helpful for you to think about it, but like, let's say you were stranded on a desert island and all you had was danishes. Like that would help you survive, right? Because there's protein in it. There's carbs in it. There's, there's a lot of carbs, right? And you need that to live, to function. And, and let's say you only had, um, carrots versus carrot like carrot cake you would actually it would be healthier for you to eat the carrot cake right because you need more calories and you would get be getting like oil so you'd be getting fat and eggs so you'd be getting protein right I'm just saying like we have this like um vision of health and healthy food and I feel like even just like pulling like unpacking that a little bit is helpful for people so like yeah like refined sugars oftentimes don't make us feel good because they do spike our sugar um yeah. and then so maybe eating the refined sugar with protein would help you or eating it with I'm not saying that's the answer I'm just saying I just I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit to explain like um okay so then what what is healthy for you now everybody's different right and a da eating a Danish one day is not like eating poison. That's not the way it works. So then why don't you want the Danish in the morning? So I think for me, I mean, everybody's yeah. different, but for me, like I do know a lot about nutrition and let's say I would think I don't like, I don't feel so good when I eat a Danish for breakfast. I don't like the way it feels heavy in my stomach and it makes me okay. a little bit jittery. Um, and it does have a lot of refined carbs, right? So if I'm going to get more nutritional bang for my buck, yeah, maybe I would have like whole wheat bread with some cheese, right? That would give me more protein and carbs and it feels good in my body. But if I'm at a bris and there's no food except for danishes and I have to run to work, 
that Danish might be like the most healthy thing I could do for myself. Does that make sense? 100%. 100%. Yeah. You live it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you live it and breathe it. It's right. all like. Right. So what what do you, and you said that you don't like to necessarily use the terminology good good for you, bad for you. Like what, right. how, what would you, what would you substitute that? Like I don't have like the best language around it. Like I, I asked, I actually asked one of my supervisors. So like, if I'm not going to say to my kids, like, you know, healthy snacks and unhealthy snacks, what should I say? And she's like, just label what it is, a, an apple, a bag of chips. It's a little hard to do that when you're like, like we like to categorize things. Um, but I don't know. I like to think of it as like, um, like, like a little bit like my plate you know what my plate is instead of like my pyramid it's like now my plate which is like a plate that has like some some protein some carbs um and like like eat like some dairy in the middle whatever it's a little bit like funny like the my plate but anyways taking that let's say and multiplying it by three for the day right okay. so like if, so maybe at breakfast I'll have like like protein and carb maybe uh, uh for my snack I'll have what I call like a fun food like like I don't even call it like um junk food because that's also like more like putting like a moral value on the food I would call it like a play food or like a fun food like sometimes I'll, I'll tell this to clients like you know you go to school for 10 months out of the year and you go to camp for two months out of the year like that's healthy and normal that's that's kind of like balance so like yeah sometimes you're gonna have a food that has like a little bit less nutritional value but it's like engaging in a birthday party or it's like taking your kid for ice cream. You know what I mean? So is that like, it's like, it's like a whole different way of looking at food. A hundred percent. It's so it's, it's, it's a whole different mindset. Yeah. Cool though. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting for kids also. Like I don't call it junk food for my kids either because I don't want them to have like, um, like any really negative associate kids are a totally different story whatever you could listen to podcasts that I talk about feeding your kids but um, with kids also like we don't want to like put any moral value on food or call it healthy or unhealthy we want to like um, we want to have access to all different types of foods and okay. all different categories of foods and like let's say protein carbs fats um, fruits and vegetables and and fun foods and like also like model eating it in a balanced way but not like demonizing it. A lot of times kids end up like sneaking food and then feeling really guilty. Like we don't want to have those behaviors. Those are not, those are not good behaviors either. Right. Interesting. Or feeling really bad about their bodies or, you know, some kids come in larger bodies. So like, how are we going to deal with that? Like, we're not going to demonize their body. That doesn't mean we're going to let them eat play food all day, every day. Like we still have to have boundaries with food, but. So how do you, how do you get that balance, that balance? Like, how do you maintain those boundaries and educate you know educate kids but not cross a line that's going to be detrimental to them right so um I actually have like a bunch of podcasts on specifically feeding kids but there is like a little bit of it there's a different feeding model with kids it's called division of responsibility and the basic basic premise or like rules or guidelines of that is that the parent decides the what where and when of eating and the child decides how much and if any if they eat and then the kids have to be fed like offered food multiple times a day like whether it's an hour every hour or every hour and a half to two hours depends on their age and stage um and then at every meal there has to be a safe food a food that you know that your child will accept and like and like there's a bunch of other things to keep in mind kids could be That's offered nice. a food um a hundred times before they try it and like it 
Um, everything, every single aspect of acceptance is a win. So whether they let it, they let you put it on their plate or put it on their tongue or um, touch it with their hands, that's a win, right? I also like, I've been recently saying this to clients a lot. Um, I hate herring. Like, I, okay, it's not my taste. I will not try herring. Okay. Me neither. <laughs> I hate it. I know. I watched. I never tried it. it. But it's, oh my oh, gosh. Oh, it's so yeah. slimy. Ooh, I know. No. It's smelly. And, and and so I think like you know like some kids like if you give them like you like the broccoli like touching the chicken and they won't eat it. Right. I think of it as somebody would take herring and pour it on my chicken. That's what I try to think about with kids because I'm 32, so I've been exposed to you know broccoli and herring multiple times in my whole life, but they're little tiny people. And they're new to textures and smells. And like, I, I always say, like, I can't guarantee that they'll eat the broccoli if you give it to them this way, but I could guarantee they won't if you force it down their throat, right? Like most people don't like that. There's like, you're taking away their autonomy. So there's a whole, it's a whole different feeding model. And like, when I work on this with, with clients, I really like pull apart their whole feeding dynamic and how it started and their own diet culture stuff. And it's a whole, it's a whole new way of, of life, but yeah. Do you also when you're dealing with a client or even if it's a child or whatever it is, go into the history um, just to like learn the, the dynamics of the home. Because I'm sure yes. a lot of times the history and the family dynamics plays a role yeah. in the child's eating habits. Totally. Like what types of things do you, yeah. do you ask? Or like, I don't you know, know, so, so an eye out for. First of all, I, I like to just know like if the child was like born like at a healthy weight and how they how they were fed as a baby and if they were picky as a baby i like to know their general personality also because a lot of um a lot of like moms will tell me let's say they're worried about their child's weight they think their child's overweight or they need to lose weight right and they're like they're so obsessed with um the way that they package their lunch they're so into it it has to be this it has to be that i'm like are they like that with everything are they like that with their organizing bins? Are they like that right. with their toothbrushes? Okay, so we don't have an issue, a food issue. This is not a food issue, right? Just right. like people are so sensitive and nervous about food. Um, also, um, a lot of times when kids are sneaking food, it's usually because of restricting, not always, but it's usually because a mom's talking a lot about this is so bad for you. This is so unhealthy for you. They are hiding the yeah. food. They're not buying the food that all the kids at school are eating. So they're they're sneaking food. They're binging on food. Sometimes kids steal money for food. It's like a real, it's a, it's like, I'm not going to say it's a real no-no to restrict food. Cause it's also like, I can't really like, it's, it's different for every family, the way I would help them navigate it. But, um, but like kids have to be kids. Ha we have to like allow all foods. Basically. It doesn't mean that we're giving them candy for dinner. It just means like, again, cause the parents just in charge of the what, where, and when of eating. It's, we're in charge of what we're offering but like if a child is begging you for a certain food that you think is like poison for them I always say it's like it's like worse for their health that you're like restricting them than actual food because I always say like if this is helpful for you and I've said it like so many times on the podcast but think about your four-year-old now even if you get them to eat that broccoli I want you to think about them when they're 20 and 25 and 30 at their own Shabbos table what are they eating then right if you got them to eat it now great they're going to hate it when they're 20 because you force them um but that's it could go the other way also like let's say a mom tells me um I don't know he used to eat broccoli all the time and now he doesn't eat it and like I don't really want to make it because it's annoying he doesn't he doesn't look at it so I'm like okay so just imagine what you just did they they no longer see broccoli they don't see you eating it they don't smell it they're not exposed to it 10 years later that a Shabbos meal with broccoli are they going to try it then maybe but uh, less likely 
right? It's you have to keep exposing your kids, but in a non, um, in a non, um, what's it called? Like pressurized way. Not like you better eat your broccoli. And like, when we say like, if you eat all your food, then you get dessert. We're telling them like, this food is yucky and this food you got to earn. You know what I mean? We're, we mess with their, we mess with a lot with their hunger fullness cues. Well, so much of the things we say, aside from messing with hunger, can mess with a lot of things that, you know. Yes, yeah. So I guess it goes it goes without saying that it's going to affect the eating habits as well. Right. I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. So it seems like there's a lot of, because um, I see also um, things that you post on your status, like as far as what you're cooking for dinner mm-hmm. and the things that you're making. What advice, tips do you have for full-time working mommies? Mm-hmm. who do not have so much time to plan the things that they're like to make for dinner like yeah. sometimes yeah. i'll come home from work or you know my kids are coming in the door i'm like kids cereal and milk center yourself right. because right. like right. W- w- right what advice do you have for me okay so every mom's different every household's different every parent again like i think this is also helpful for me that i've learned to take, talk about per- perfectionism some people are more organized than others some people like cooking more than others some people like I this is my job this is my career this is like my everything food so like if you see me posting like I'm cooking a lot yeah like I love to cook and experiment with food so just let me just say that because I think it's helpful for people to hear um I like to say like whatever you could automate should be automated right so I have this like master grocery list on my google doc and it's like it's everything I need in my kitchen always right so I could print I print out like 10 of those and stick it on my bulletin board in my kitchen. And now it acts as a grocery list slash inventory. Okay. And like, depends on my week, depends how organized I am, depends how frazzled I am. Um, Sometimes I have on the bottom of my grocery list, like I have this automated in my Google doc, um, like a dinner menu, right? So like it says, like, it says like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, protein, carb, vegetable, and I can fill it in. And again, like not, this doesn't work for every mom, but for some families it works to have some sort of general idea of every night so like let's say monday night's chicken and tuesday night's fish and wednesday night's something with chopped meat and thursday night's whatever fend for yourself pizza or noodles or cereal milk right um so then that really that really helps because it's like even if you don't know what type of chicken you're making you know that you took chicken out of the freezer or you know that you got chicken mm-hmm. when you went shopping on sunday is that helpful yeah i'm trying to figure out i'm like are you this organized with other aspects of your life outside of like eating meal planning, that type of thing? Um, it's, don't I don't have think, to answer. I'm getting no, I'm not. I, I don't care to answer. I don't, I don't think I'm so organized. Maybe this sounds very organized. I also work from home. Like when I used to work full time, it was much harder, but I have like, I kind of have like, this is like my passion. Like I love creating meals for my family that have all the elements of, of like a balanced plate. That's like my passion. Also, like I see it with, um, the more you, the every family is different, every parent's different, every situation's different, but I do see it with my own home. Like the more I stick to these guidelines of like the division of responsibility. So like, for example, um, tonight, my son came home who's four and he's like, I'm hungry. So when it's around five o'clock, dinner's ready. And that means whatever's for dinner is what you're having, whatever, with, with a safe food, whatever. So he's like, I don't want dinner. I'm hungry, which means he wants a snack. I'm like, okay, whenever you're ready for dinner, dinner's ready. Like eventually he came around and he had a really nice plate of like chili and tacos and avocados and rice cakes. And that's what, and he didn't have the, he didn't have the salad. That's okay. Um, But like, I see that like a lot of moms will just give in and give them a snack and then they really aren't hungry for, for the meal. 
right? Or they really, the kids know, like, eventually, if I don't eat um, the, the fresh dinner that my mother made, she will put the chicken nuggets in the oven. So they, 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 it's a learned behavior that they learn not to eat cooked food. Do you get what I'm saying? 100%. Um, but yeah, I do try to be organized. I like this stuff. I like, I like automating things in my life to make my life easier. I think sometimes like a little bit more foresight in the beginning helps automate other processes. What other types of things do you automate? Oh, I don't know. Um, I like to think, I, I don't know. I just like to think about like, um, what's something I was just doing for pace. I just made pace off. So that was like a lot. Like I did, I, I wrote out like my whole schedule, like when I'm going to turn over and when we're going to buy this and when I'm going to get my manicure and when I'm going to go shopping for clothes. Because if I didn't do that, then come like the day before Pesach, I wouldn't have new clothing, you know? So it's like anything or like, I mean, it takes also like, it took me a long time to get to this place where I'm like less judgmental of myself. Like I'm not like so into my kids' clothes. I'm not like, it's not my strength. I'm not good at that. Also, like I'm from out of town. And like when we go to Rochester, like my father lives in Rochester, my brother lives there. Like nobody's wearing like a lot some kids are but like it's not like you have to have the in-style clothing but like here in new york it's like you're a little weird if you don't you know i love out of town i know i know i know but there's a lot of nice things about this community too oh yeah there are definitely yeah yeah so are you by nate it seems like you're a list person by nature i'm a list person yeah are you not i'm not which is so bizarre yeah you seem organized but I'm just right yes right so I find that like most of the time people that I've spoken to that are super like organized they're list people right real and I'm trying to understand I think the only time that I make lists is if I'm going like I'm going on a like trip or like I need to make sure I don't forget anything so then I'll make like a packing list but maybe it doesn't stress like for me if I don't have like if I don't know what we're having for dinner, first of all, I just feel frazzled. Like, oh, now I have to go to Gourmet every single day. That's so annoying. Um, right. And I like being creative with my cooking. And I, I like my kids to try all different types of food. That's like really important to me. That doesn't mean I think it should be important for everyone else. I really don't. Right. No, this is your passion. This right. is your passion. This is your your baby. So it makes sense that you're going to invest and put all the time and effort, you know, into it. Right. That makes 100% sense to me. But if it's, let's say, like, let's say a client's telling me I'm giving my kids chicken nuggets every single night and they don't eat vegetables, I would say for you, it's a huge win if you cut a pepper and put it on the plate. They don't have to eat it. They don't have to like it. They don't have to try it. But that's a goal. For me, that's not my goal so much because my kids are exposed to, my kids eat lots of funny foods. They like, they like really spicy foods. They like uh, chili powder because I put it, I love chili powder. I put it in everything. They love the hot pepper flakes because we, I cook with it, you know? I like things well spiced and flavored and with like the right amount of salt. I'm like really into that. So like my daughter will tell me like, oh, I went here or there and it didn't have, I needed to add salt or like garlic or whatever. It's like, I love that. Cause I like, I'm a foodie. Like I want, and not that I, not that I care if they're foodies, but like, it's, yeah, it's really, it's important to me. Cause I also think food should be like enjoyable and it should be like a positive part of people's lives. You know, it's funny because I find, I don't love to cook, mm-hmm. but I know when I have more time in my life, which I don't, really have a lot of right, right then and it's like an unpressured um it's like not pressured like it's quiet in my kitchen I find that I like will experiment with other things I'm mm-hmm. very like very regimented I'll make the same things like I make good food mm-hmm. um most of the time but um I don't like trying new things because I just and I don't like to potchkey like I just yeah I don't know I although be very proud of me 
I had leftover um, chicken from Chavez. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make, I'm going to be resourceful. I'm yeah. going to make chicken fajitas. Never made it before in my life. Had Yum. no idea what I was doing. Like, yeah. I like Googled chicken fajitas. Yeah. Like, What's happening? Total experiment. And it came out so good. It really I'm was so delicious. happy. Yes. Yeah. Everybody loved it. Yeah. Well, everybody who tried it. Yeah. Everyone who tried it. Yeah. Liked yeah. it. Um, but I was very proud of myself, but I don't usually do those things. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, maybe it's, again, it's not something I'm not like a cooking person. It doesn't like excite me um, unless it's, I have time and I. Right. I think it's important also, like I talk about this a lot with, cause like, you know, I see, you see that my work is so much deeper than just the food. I like to have people like, kind of like think about that their life as like a pizza pie. Actually, I think one of my business coaches taught me this, that like, you want to like, it's like values-based living, like that you're giving the, you're uh, intentionally giving the parts of the pizza pie, the amounts of attention that you want. So like right now, this works for me to put a lot of attention into my food. And it's also like, like even tonight I posted something about my recipe. I mean, my dinner, like for me, it's like kind of content. I always have to, clients are always asking for good ideas. So it's like, it's helpful for me, not just personally, but professionally, but like, so that's like a big part of my wheel and a big part of my, uh, the pizza pie, right? But for you, it's like you're really working a lot out of the house. I might, if you were my client, I might tell you, like, could you go to Gourmet Glot and buy like pre-breaded schnitzel, and could you buy um, marinated chicken, right? Because that could also give you more time for your to be with your kids. I don't know. I'm just one hundred percent. Yeah, no, for sure. I I definitely have to do like more of that stuff as opposed mm-hmm. to having macaroni and cheese, kids. Right. You know. Yeah. But um, just to go back on what you were saying, I you'll you'll correct me if I'm wrong. I feel as though, and just from knowing you um, over these past couple of years, I think that it's more than that. Like it's it's a very big part of your pizza wheel because of of like the history that you've had with eating. It's, right. it's a very meaningful right topic for you. For sure. Right? Totally. Totally. But also like, yeah, like you said, like you want to be like, you don't want to just give your kids um, macaroni and cheese, let's say, because because you want them to one day be, you know, adults that eat all different types of foods, right? But also, you have to balance that wheel with like, but I want to be like a calm mommy. So if I'm cooking more than 20 minutes, then I'm not in that. So like, this is what I help clients do all the time. Like, every client, every person is different. And every stage of our life is different. And but the the point is really the intentionality, like how much if you notice that you're giving, like, let's say I was neglecting my kids and making dinner, I would say like, oh, I really should shift the wheel a little bit because that's not that's not my goal. My goal is that like they come home to a yummy dinner and like we all sit down. I mean, this doesn't always happen, but like that they enjoy it and they like it and they want to eat it and they want to have it again next weekend. Whatever they ask, they request, could you make chili? You know, they're so cute when they do that. But like that doesn't mean that's my goal for everybody. You know what I mean? Right, right. I feel like everybody is like their own world or like you're saying like really their own you know circle their own pizza yeah. pie and yeah they're so we're so multifaceted and there's so much that right. like you have to take into account and factor in like right you know where people are holding and that's a very big component totally sure. you got to meet the client where they're at that's a big part of it yeah yeah but I think it's more also like a lot of it it seems also as you really meeting the client where they're at it goes beyond beyond food it goes totally. like there's so much like emotions that I'm sure you know is a big part of it totally how often would you say from client I'm sure you have a lot of clients that you have to also make a professional recommendation 
to like sure. yeah. go seek to a social worker or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. A lot of my clients are also working. Yes. A lot of my clients are also working with therapists and like sometimes I'm speaking to their therapists also. It's not just it's not just, I mean, it's never just about the food. That's really the truth. But like, I think that you're like, you're saying something important. And I want, like, I kind of want people to know this, that like, I do also focus a lot on the food, like, like making meal plans for people and making food more enjoyable for them and making it easier for them. That's a big part of what I do. I am technically a dietitian, right? I'm not a therapist. Right. But you can't, like at this point, especially with intuitive eating, it's hard to separate the two. And I think actually what's really interesting is that a lot of clients tell me like this work changed their life. But one of the biggest, most important things that I, that I try to help people do is like the self-care piece and not self-care like, oh, go to the gym or get your nails done. It's like, why are you binging every single night at 9 p.m.? Oh, it's because like you had no time to yourself the entire day and now your kids are sleeping. Okay, so that does that mean that you need, um, you know, like an ice cream cake in your freezer? Or does that mean that like, tell me more about yourself? Do you need to go on a date with your husband more? Do you need to go around, walk around the block? Do you need to go to an exercise class? Maybe you just need a veg. Like everyone's so different, but like, that's really ultimately, I find that when a lot of times food is like um, covering up other things and that's what we really uncover. And that's why I find this work to be so life-changing and yeah, getting rid of the guilt and, um, and learning about foods that you actually enjoy, of course, enhances the process but it, that's it's really the deeper stuff that I really enjoy and try to do I love that stuff I know it's really cool me and you we talk about all of our books that we read right yes yes that's really like like you know me like I'm, I'm a deep person you are also like the exercises is just like one part of it that's really getting you closer to who you really are right it's like a tool so I don't I would say it's it's helped me it's mm-hmm. helped me with certain things like it just really helped me you know, be less anxious, um, be strong, feel, just feel good and feel strong and kind of invincible is the right word, but like grounded. I find this makes me feel grounded in my body. So I don't like, right. It's funny. I don't know. And this is also something that I feel like I probably need to learn more about is like being mindful, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm grounded in my body. It's a lot of it is for me there's so much that goes on inside my brain and my mm. head. And sometimes I think this might be also why I like cardio so much is when I run and I go fast, I feel like I'm letting it all out. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, and I know it's for me is, would be a good idea to probably do yoga right, and yeah. slow down a little bit. And, just, and Or journal just to see like, like maybe do like some reflecting on like, what are all those thoughts in your head as opposed to just like releasing them, you know? You no, know, there, when I'm running, right? I'm, that's, I'm also thinking. You're I think my issue, my issue is too much thinking. Right. Too much. Right. So it's, it's very interesting. Like yeah. there's too much thinking and then it helps me, I guess for me, running, running makes me feel more grounded. I will right. say that. Right. That, 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 is, that is a true statement. You know, I love to spin. So like, I love, I always like my husband thinks I'm like such a wacko. I'm like, run, when I'm on the spin bike, it's like so spiritual. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm really like, also like, I think about um my goals a lot when I'm on the bike. Right. So then like when the instructor's like, you got this. And then the music is like going to the beat. It's like, sort of like, I don't know. It's like you, you like tap into something deeper, but at least I do. So like people think I'm weird, but like, and I also like, I don't know, I'm sure you have people in your life who are not into fitness and they don't get how you exercise so much. I have that when people are like, I'm just so not motivated or whatever. I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like, I love it. Like 
it's so yeah, fun no, for me it's also challenging like when I when I want to let's say exercise or or work with like be like move around with my family it's hard for me to slow down mm-hmm. and that sometimes is an issue and I have to be more mindful of that of okay you need to know what they're not going to be able to walk as fast as you. They're right. sure not going to be running. So right. Like, right. And if you're biking, you probably should bike at the same pace as them. Like you need to right. slow down because they can't speed up. But that's also a challenge for me because of the benefit that exercise gives me and what it does for me mentally. Right. I'm like, but I need, I need, I need, I need a release. I need to get less anxious, but it's, it's a balance. Right. It's for sure. Right. It's a balance. For sure. Yeah. Anyways, this is really fun. It's like late, but, um, is there any okay. any last words, anything you want to leave the listeners with? Anything? Maybe we could do a round two, like a second one. But I think this was really good. I think people have the same questions that you have. Yeah, no, I think I learned a lot. It's definitely getting me, you know, thinking more. I love I love the idea that you that you keep bringing up about that it's it's deeper. There's so many different layers to it, and intuitive eating allows you to to go deep and help people understand why they're doing x y and z and i think for mm-hmm. me um and my journey that that's imp- that was important also um and i i got i gotta look up some more information you have some good books for me to read gila yes about, like, you, you could first of all start with the intuitive eating book intuitive okay. eating um health at every size is really good um i really like the book anti-diet by christy harrison so she's like one of the leaders like that really paved the way of like she had the first um intuitive eating podcast she has a podcast called food psych which is like a bit political but also really good and she just came out with another book I think it's called the wellness trap she's like she talks a lot about how now it's like wellness culture um there's also a book called unapologetic eating by um um somebody who had it on the podcast Alyssa Alyssa Rumsey there's so many books now on intuitive eating there's um how to raise intuitive eaters if you want to learn about about um, the dynamic with kids. There's also all of Ellen Satter's books. She's a dietitian and a social worker who wrote, who created this division of responsibility. There's like, there's so much out there, you know? You know, it's so crazy. And I think this was also really good final was like, I'm watching you and listen, listening to you talk and I'm seeing your face and your eyes literally light up when you talk about this. Right. Like, it's so it. cool to be able to be in a field where like you're passionate about what you do and it makes you like so amazing at what you do. And it's super really inspirational and I yeah it's like I gotta yeah thanks I think no but I think like if you if maybe if you listen go back to some of my earlier episodes like I talk about this a lot how like intuitive eating could lead to like intuitive living and like I really do feel like that happened to me like I was working at a job that I hated I was nursing working in nursing homes and I was like what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to be stuck here forever and like that like limiting beliefs like we talked about we talk about that a lot with like Brene Brown and like yeah for now we're on like you know first name basis um but like no just like getting like you know learning like so many people tell me that like they they just feel so stuck in their job but like what are they going to do they can't pay the bill and it's like you don't have to be stuck so I think I think this is also very this is like one of those things like people think they're going to be on a diet forever and they're going to always have a weight issue and they're quote-unquote and they're always going to have to blah 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 and it's like intuitive eating is like totally like blowing that up in your face like you don't have to subscribe to that and that's kind of like why I think it's so powerful I very much relate to that I'm saying I you know I'm I'm stuck so to speak in my in my DOE job anyone that works with DOE like we all share this we're like it's a blessing and a curse at the same time right. because so much to give you can't give it up because there's so much that you're so to speak getting for it 
but I think that's part of the reason why I I do my side things that I do mm-hmm. I need I need some passion in my life I right. need things that excite me right. um and I'm constantly working and looking for things that excite me and new projects and just things that build you know meaning in my life which I think totally. is super important totally. so we can't just live life like mundane like it's just I don't know you got life life is is filled with filled with meaning you have to just find it and find what works for you totally totally anyways thanks for coming on this was really awesome I really enjoyed it thank you me too thank you so much for having me Gila sure thank you hey thank you so much for listening all the way to the end I hope you enjoyed this episode I personally really did and I learned so much and I think it's important to ask your questions and just like really pull them apart and unpack them and don't forget that this episode has been sponsored by okclarity.com the place for top-notch therapist psychiatrist coach or dietitian and it's completely free for you to use if you are one of those clinicians or professionals please reach out to them and join okclarity.com and if you're looking for somebody go to okclarity.com and you will find someone great have a great day thank you all so much for being here on my podcast get into it with gila if you'd like to learn more about what i do and what intuitive eating is please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.